What's up, everybody? It's Michael Jenkins here with another episode of By the Book, a sports betting podcast. We're once again bringing you some of our favorite segments from the last few shows. First, Monica McNutt and I spoke with Von Dalzell from NBC Sports Edge about what he expects from the first round of the NBA playoffs. Let's bring in Von Dalzell, the money sports on Twitter from NBC Sports Bet at NBC Sports Edge. We were just talking about Grizz and Warriors and Monica's prediction that Memphis would win that game outright. What did you, did you think that was going to happen too? I mean, yeah. maybe a cover. The public was all over them. Okay. Maybe a cover the win. No, Monica, hats off to you. That's the biggest story of the day, not LeBron James. Monica calling the game. <laughs> I will say NBA Twitter has shown lots of love. You also can come to Memphis with me because apparently I get lots of free barbecue. I don't get to go. I get the leftovers. <laughs> you're like, hey, I have a rib from Memphis. I'm like, eh, great, thanks, Monica. <laughs> um, love okay. the energy today. So, all right, we know that that one worked out great for one better. That cleaned up yep. big time. But they now get the prize of playing a very good Utah Jazz team. What do you like or not like? I love Donovan Mitchell coming back. I'll tell you that. Okay. He changes the dynamic. Mike Conley's looked great over the stretch. He's been dishing the ball. Got a scoring back. And, of course, Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. It's going to be a tough task here in the eighth seed for them. I think Utah Jazz... Besides the Los Angeles Lakers, who I've talked about numerous times already, having a good path to the Western Conference Finals to the seventh seed, I think the Jazz have great value on winning the NBA Finals or at least making it to the Western Conference Finals. So uh, certainly a tough task for the Grizzlies moving forward. They might get swept maybe one game because John Moran is a dog, like he said. See, Vaughn, I'm, I'm, and I might be riding a little bit high, but I'm ready to give them two games in the series. But I have this question for you. Are you concerned about the speed of the Jazz? I, I just – there have been moments this season, and in, in particular matchups, obviously not across the board. They've had a great, tremendous regular season. But Valanciunas occupies Rudy Gobert. The Memphis Grizzlies are a very fast team. They don't shoot the three as well as the Jazz do at all. But I, I just wonder if formulaically there could be an opportunity there for Memphis to strike and still a couple. I definitely think with John Morant pushing the pace, you definitely have shooters on the wing. We got Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks. When Grayson Allen's healthy, he definitely helps the dynamic of spacing this team. But for the Utah Jazz, what you said, they play so fast and they shoot the three so well. I mean, in the ball movement of this team. Now, I've always said the Warriors with Klay Thompson healthy, you know, when Kevin Durant was there, there, the ball movement of that team was ridiculous to watch. Some of the best I've ever seen. And this Utah Jazz team, has resembled that a lot on these insane winning streaks. The way they just move in transition, move, they push the pace, get the threes open, guys like Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson, mm -hmm, six mm -hmm. man of the year. I mean, they have shooters everywhere. And I really think any team that matches up with Utah is going to have a tough task just steadying and keeping up with them because, like you said, they have all of that and they have Rudy Gobert in the middle to slow it down when they want. And that's yeah. definitely a taunting, taunting challenge as well. On today's slate, we have the Bucks hosting the Heat in Game 1 with the Bucks laying 4.5 points. Total set at 227 at William Hill. We've seen some cash come in on Miami, and there's some experts out there that think the Heat can give the Bucks a serious run here. Do you believe that? Yeah, I mean, how could you not when they tank to be in this spot? Uh, yeah. I mean, everyone expected them to try and win to get a different seating here, and they purposely lost so they could play the Milwaukee Bucks because they believe in the success that they've had against them. So I certainly think there's value on the 225 for the entire series. Uh, I am more of a game-by-game -game better for this one. I am very tempted to take – oh, 250. That's even better odds if wow. you want to take them there mm. because my I, I feel like that's something that Miami Heat wins this game one. Those odds are going to drop to like 150 or 170. Um, and that's very possible because you got, saw last season guys like Goran Dragic 
stepped up and made all the difference in the playoffs, especially in this series in particular. This guy averaged about 20 points, four rebounds, and four assists across the playoffs. And if he steps up as that third scorer, third assist guy outside of Bam and Jimmy, watch out because we know playoff Jimmy's here. We know Bam's getting confidence as mid-range jumper. And if you got Duncan, Tyler Hero, and these guys stepping up as well, I think Miami have all the chance in the world to, to go to the next round. But I definitely like them plus five, plus four and a half today. Uh, if you can get them. This is one of the most agonizing. This one for me and mm-hmm. Nuggets Blazers are the two, Vaughn, that I'm like, oh, my God. Right now I got it at Bucks at seven just because I think there's so much heat in Milwaukee, and I'm buying in that Drew Holiday and P.J. Tucker are going to give this squad that identity that has been missing. Um, but, ooh, I'm not, I'm not feeling as confident about that one as I was about Memphis <laughs> last night at all. All right, let's keep it moving, though. Mavs Clippers, another rematch of what we saw in the playoffs last year. What you like here? I love Luka Doncic in this spot. Over 44 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. Now, this guy was an animal last season in the six games that they played. He basically kept them alive, triple-double twice, almost had a couple more triple-doubles. Um, he has terrorized them this year because you look at Doc Rivers and what he did guarding them, and then you got Tyron Lue today, or Tyron Lue this year coming in, and he's put up 51 and 57 points, rebounds, and assists in two full games, 41 in the blowout they had. So I look at him today to hit his over, but I also look at the Mavericks to, to – Contend one or two games in this series. I think the Clippers are the dominant team here. I cannot wait to see a Clippers and Jazz matchup. I think that one right there is going to give us the uh, the second, the co-favorite behind the Brooklyn Nets to be the favorite to win it all. Um, so I am definitely looking forward to how they guard Luka Doncic because mm-hmm. if he goes out and drops a 30-burger and gets 10 assists, they're going to have to think about how they're going to guard him on these screens and force guys like Tim Hardaway Jr., Jalen Brunson to step up and score because Kristaps Porzingis cannot be just the number two guy. Um, it's going to have to be other guys stepping up to the plate as well. For sure. You mentioned the Nets as we talked to Von Dalzell from NBC Sports Bet and NBC Sports Edge. Follow him on Twitter at VMoneySports. So the Nets, we finally get to see the big three on a consistent basis after seeing them only eight times during the regular season. Brooklyn eight-point favorites over Boston. Jason Tatum's going to have to score what? 80 points for the Celtics to, to, to stay within eight or nine points here? Uh, it's, it's, he's going to have to put 30 up a game. If yeah. you're looking on a player prop market, Jason Tatum is a great bet every single night. Okay. Uh, a guy like Kemba Walker, guy like Evan Fournier, you look at them, those three are going to have to step up every single game against Brooklyn because they're not the greatest defensive team, and they don't care about that. Because, like you said, they got Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Who needs defense when you got those three guys? Uh, and they've only played together eight full games. Uh, a couple times you've seen guys come off the bench, play most in the second half or the fourth quarter. So from a chemistry standpoint, a um, on, the, on and off the court stats standpoint, we're still trying to figure this Brooklyn Nets team out. Mm-hmm. Certainly, Boston without Jalen Brown is a good team to face. Uh, The Celtics were only 30 and 28 with Jalen Brown this year. So it's not like he made them a significantly better team this year. I think they've also had injury and chemistry issues. So Brooklyn getting a first round matchup here. I think if Tatum drops a 50 burger, like we saw, we could see them steal a game here, but I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at Tatum's points, Evan Fournier's points and uh, James Harden over nine and a half assists. That's my big play of the day. um, Mm. As far as that game. I love what he's been able to do this season, averaging about 11 assists per game uh, overall and with time off. So uh, look at him to dish and probably get a double-double today for the Nets. Mm, I like that. James Harden, James Harden is definitely the glue-glue mm-hmm. that makes it work for the yeah. Nets. I like that one for sure. All right, la, the other series that has me 
writhing with indecisiveness. I, I went Nuggets in, or not Nuggets, I went Blazers in seven, Vaughn. I know that makes them, that means they get it done on the road. What do you think, Nuggets, Blazers? I'm agreeing with you. Uh, Ooh, I'm not okay. just riding the hot hand when I say that. But I do think <laughs> the, poor, the, the Trailblazers will be able to keep up with them in this game. Obviously not having Jamal Murray makes all the difference. Uh, you look at a guy like Michael Porter Jr., he's going to have to step up tremendously in this series. And he also has some beef with this Portland team. Uh, don't know if you guys remember whenever there was – he said he waved a three in the air to them, but it looked like a middle finger there uh -huh. at the end. And Portland uh -huh. didn't take lightly – went out and beat them the next game and forced a seven-game series. So a guy like Michael Porter Jr. is going to have an extra eye on him. Uh, he's been shooting three from hot. Both these teams are not very good defending the three as well. Last 10 games, they're both allowing about 14 makes and about 38 attempts. That's uh, bottom five in the NBA over that span. So look for guys like I got Damian Lillard over three-and-a-half threes today. That's my play in that game. Uh, you look at Michael Porter Jr., though, like I said, he can definitely contend. Uh, C.J. McCollum, these guys. It's going to be a high-scoring series, but I like the Blazers to get it done as well. And I think Jamal Murray makes all the difference. If he was healthy, we'd be talking about the Nuggets almost like we'd be talking about the Jazz as that sleeper. And uh, I know there's a lot of money on the Nuggets' futures, uh, so people probably aren't feeling as confident about that, but I'm with you, Blazers and seven on this one. So Wizards and Sixers, as we look at tomorrow's games, and – Philly is laying seven and a half. I, I just love – I cannot wait for the fact that Russ <laughs> went off on Joel. It didn't go off, but is already – I mean, Russ is just angry all the time, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I appreciate as, as a competitor. He's just always looking to win every possession, every single time he gets down the court. But the Wizards are really outmatched here. Do they cover? It's going to be tough for them to cover in this series. Now, Philadelphia at home, I will say this. I live 10 minutes outside of Philadelphia and as someone that has gone to games at home, they always win at home, but they never cover at home. <laughs> so the Wizards certainly have a chance to get it done here. Anytime you have a competitor like Russ, I can never count him out. I mean, I love this guy's intensity. And you got Bradley Bill, who gets it done all the time in the scoring department. He's going to need 35-plus in this one and battle Joel Embiid in a leading scorer. So I certainly think there's people are sleeping on the Wizards. If this spread gets up near 8.5 to 9, then you have to take this because a guy like Davis Bertans can get hot. Ryle Nato's been playing okay. Ish Smith's been playing better. And you get guys like that against the Sixers and match up with their role of players. Um, Philly doesn't have as much depth as you think that they do. They certainly got better from last year, but I think Washington has a chance here. I look at the over, though, because I think that this is a game where both teams can put up 120, 115 range. Uh, Philadelphia has Ben Simmons. If he doesn't slow down Russ, good luck because the, he's the key to everything. Yep. If he triple-doubles, good luck. So I like the Wizards if this spread gets up to 8 to 9, uh, and then I'll consider taking action on this one. That's such a great point. I was thinking about game two of the series between these teams in the regular season, that 141-136, 60-point mm -hmm. affair um, from Bradley Beal. I, I don't I don't. Okay, I, I got you. Okay, I think that's. I, I can get behind that play, Vaughn. I was just thinking it through. I do like the Sixers in game one, but the points... I love okay. I love watching you think through like, really, things. I like, like I just said, well, you know, let me think about what you said. Well, you had that safety. Yeah, mm, I don't know though. If mm, let me let me figure I this out for Vaughn. a second. Go ahead, Vaughn. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you think like Joel Embiid. Who's guarding him? Like Rui, Robin Lowe. He's dropping 30, 40. And if for sure, if but ben yeah. Simmons, if ben ahead. Simmons, defensive player of the year, mm -hmm. locks up Russell Westbrook. 
who's guarding Bradley Bill? Because it's not going to be Seth Curry. Tobias Harris, yeah, he's a great, he's a good defender and everything. But I look at the way they spread the floor, and I really think Washington can put up 110, 115. But if they do that, Philly's probably putting up 120 plus every single time. So okay. I like the over in the series. We love offense. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's keep it moving, though. We're going Lakers-Suns, and obviously this is the one that's the talk of the town. The seven seed is favored over the two seed. Um, I want your overall, and then, of course, what you like on this particular on game one. This, this couldn't have worked out any better for the Lakers. I mean, the path through the Suns, as I came on here on Thursday and said if, this, if the Lakers beat the Warriors and get the seven seed, the path to Chris Paul – it's a guy that hasn't had much success getting deep in the playoffs, and he has a team that obviously is like success, been an MVP candidate, the way he's renovated this Suns team with Devin Booker and Aiton. Uh, I like the Suns, but I got to go Lakers in seven. The Lakers are going to have a very tough series. They're going to have a tough road, but them dodging the Clippers or the Jazz makes all the difference for them because, as we said, Portland and Denver are going to beat each other up again. Mm-hmm. If Portland does go seven or the Nuggets win in seven, uh, that just is all better for the Lakers and a guy like LeBron James will have a little bit of more time uh, or not the same amount as time as those teams going into the next round because Phoenix is going to put up a fight. I expect this to go seven seven games, but I think uh, the Lakers are going to fight back. I could see this one being two to one to Phoenix, L.A. being down at half and then doing what they did against Golden State. LeBron and A.D. just coming alive, not going home. And uh, I will say, with LeBron James not being quarantined, you know the league wants him in here. <laughs> oh, so uh, if it you comes down there, to Ron. game time, I mean, he's going to get a couple calls. Or if not, he's going to do his uh, his Hollywood impression. So I'll leave it at that. That's hilarious. I'm reading I, that. Everybody knows. I'm reading it on Twitter. You just said, like, no way is LeBron missing anything. I love that you mentioned his Hollywood impression because what I found miraculous was how we went from seeing three baskets and our eye was closed, and by the time we got to the post-game interview, oh, your face looks normal. Right. Mm, amazing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Mr. Miyagi did a work on him. Like, mm, he'll be fine. Mm, well, I'm great. I'm it's great. Amazing. All of a sudden, incredible. Hawks and Knicks. So this is a really short line. Yeah. The Knicks laying a point at Madison Square Garden. Total set at 215. Vegas actually has a huge liability on the Hawks in this series. How are you feeling? Man, this is a tough one because the Knicks beat them 3-0 to this yep. season, and they just ran through them. But when Nate McMillan has taken over as the Hawks, boy, have they been rolling uh, 70% winning percentage. So I, it's hard to go against that. And Clint Capella, I mean, the most underrated big man probably in the NBA. This guy just feasts on the boards every single game. Julius Randle, most improved player. Obviously, Trey Young, I mean, 30 burgers every game. I love the matchup in this game. There's so many unsung heroes. I just want to give a shout-out to Bogdanovich, uh, Reggie Bullock, Kevin Herter, John Collins. Like Guys like this are they're so talented and not talked about on the player prop market. They've been moneymakers all season long, too, if you haven't heard about them. But uh, I look at this series, and I think this is going to be a seven-game series. I actually, anytime that Vegas needs a team, uh, I definitely tend to like that team a little bit more being a player prop guy. I don't play the spreads as much in the NBA because it's so crazy. But I do think that the Hawks can get it done this series. I'm going to ride the hot team here. The NBA regular season has been one to remember. But I can't put too much value in it because the scheduling has been so completely different. These teams have been uh, have had so many different factors with injuries, rests. So when I look at the regular season, of course, I factor it. But I'm not going to... Uh, take it into account as much as past seasons. So, yes, the Knicks have been impressive. This has been the season for them. 
I'm going to take the Hawks in seven, and I'm just going to hope that my guy Derek Rose continues to show out and everybody shows love to him because uh, he's been a tremendous story, and I can't um, I can't say how much he's been inspiring to everybody. So Derek Rose uh, for MVP, and that's it. <laughs> Vaughn, you were my people until that pick. You were my people. I was enjoying the vibe until that. The cool thing is I need a friend, so come on over, Vaughn. <laughs> I'm getting leftovers from Memphis. I'm getting ribs. I'm getting friends that Monica doesn't want to hang out with anymore. I'll take it. He's Vaughn Delzell, V Money Sports on Twitter from NBC Sports Bet and NBC Sports Edge. Vaughn, we appreciate it, my friend. Thank you, guys. Have Thanks, a great day. Vaughn. You too. Then Megan McPeak and I broke down the Buffalo Bills schedule and how many games we think they'll win this upcoming season. Throughout the entire week, we've been taking win totals from specific teams in the NFL, choosing the over or under, and then going through the schedules and deciding, okay, this is where they win or this is where they lose. In particular, where the losses come from, because it's, it's much easier to pick out the wins than the losses, unless you're talking about the Jets or Jaguars or something like that. <laughs> so we're talking about the good teams, and that means the Buffalo Bills, where the win total in Las Vegas is set at 10.5. You're laying a little juice if you bet the over, minus 140. The under, plus money, plus 120. Last year, the team, which is known as the, what is it? Uh, Canada of the South. Canada of the South. Okay, people are probably like, Megan, what are you talking about? That's what I said. Canada obviously does not have an NFL team. True. So, typically, most Canadians, they root for the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Or whatever team is closest to the, bo to the to their border city. But there isn't a lot cl that close to the Canadian border when okay. it comes to the NFL. So that's why Bill's Mafia has such a huge Canadian following because of the closeness. Like, I can literally walk across the border. Really? Yeah, to Buffalo. Okay, let me also ask you this. So what is it about, is it the league itself? Why wouldn't you just go all in on the CFL? Or is it both? Uh, they typically they like both. Oh yeah. Yeah. This this. I mean, there are different rules. Yeah. Yes. Three down versus four down right. football. Um. And and the amount of players you can have on the field is is a little bit different. And just the the speed of the game too in the CFL is is quick. You it's have a lot more of, motion than you yeah, can have in the NFL. Yeah. It's kind of like arena football in a weird way. Mm -hmm. Just the the motion uh, and and how much movement there is. But um. And it's also played at two different times of the year. Yeah. That's true. So. You know, if you like football they, year round, they, they play around same time, but CFL season shorter, so you can get into the NFL a little bit more. So you know, most Canadians like both. So you like the Argos? No. Who's your team? That's blasphemy. Where really? I'm from. Who's your team then? Saskatchewan. No. Ottawa. The original Steel Town. What's the original Steel Town? Hamilton Tiger Cats. <laughs> You can't be from Hamilton and cheer for the Argos and be from Toronto and cheer for the no, Ticats. No, no. It's, it's complete blasphemy. I was kidding. I've always clearly been blasphemy. a Tiger Cats guy. It's complete blasphemy. They're black and yellow, right? Damn right. Tiger Basically Cats. Basically the Steelers of the North. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, the Canada to the South. Of course, I'm talking about <laughs> Buffalo and the Bills. So let's look at the first half of the season here and check out the schedule. So we made our picks earlier when we were getting ready for the show. I'll start by saying I have them losing at the Dolphins because I think they have a physical game against the Steelers in week one that they win, and then they go down to South Florida. They run into a Dolphins defense, which is much improved. It certainly got better in the second half of the season, and maybe that Miami offense takes a step forward. So I'm giving the Bills an L in week two. Why aren't you? I just think that the, the, Bill, the, the Bills, the uh, Dolphins aren't, it's too soon. Sure. into the season for them to really take a huge, huge step forward. That's why I think the Bills will be able to utilize the experience from last season, sure. the success they had in week two. Um, but I actually wouldn't have been surprised. Like, if that game was maybe week four or right. five, I could see giving sure. them maybe a loss. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's 
quick enough. Okay, fair enough. Now, in week five, mm -hmm. we have the Bills going to Kansas City. I have the Bills actually stepping up and pulling, I don't want to say a shocker because it won't be a huge line, but Kansas City will be favored in this game. They're obviously playing at Arrowhead Stadium, and I feel like the Bills need this game. They'll be motivated after last year's AFC Championship, and then we'll be talking about how this is the year the Buffalo can maybe topple Kansas City, but I can be convinced otherwise. I think it'll be a loss because it's on the road. They're okay. in KC, and I think they're going to be too, like, feeling themselves after defeating a yeah. depleted Houston Texans team at home. I just don't think that they are prepared for that next step to take down Kansas City. Sure. And I think that the narrative around it, you know, what this means leading up to the game, if they are able to come up with, you know, the win, especially after that uh, playoff loss, I think that that might, you know, it might get in some heads and yeah, yeah. they might get a little too little too uh, full of themselves okay. and feel too good about themselves and it might not translate on the field. I think that'll be a loss. Week six, we both have an L for Buffalo heading to Tennessee and Nashville to take on the Titans. I just feel like coming off, there's going to be a, an automatic, there's going to be so much buildup over that Chiefs game, especially if they win. That's a tough back-to-back -to -back. Mm -hmm. on the road in Kansas City, on the road at Tennessee where they play a physical brand of football. And I just, I feel like that's just a classic letdown spot for the Bills. So I'm going to have them taking an L there. I also have them taking an L because last season they were six and two on the road, which isn't bad. Right. But Tennessee was five and three at home uh, with an eleven and five overall record, and okay. Tennessee actually uh, handed the Bills one of their three losses last season. So I think that they've got a little bit of confidence against this Bills team. Okay. Uh, I think it'll be a little closer than it was last season, but I definitely agree with you in the sense of just everything that goes into that Kansas City game, the, right. li the lead up, and then whatever happens, win or lose, the aftermath of it, you're still on the road. Now you've got to go play more physical football. Yep. I just think that it's going it, to, for me, it's going to be back-to-back -back L's. Time to take a look at the second half of the season. Where do we see these losses for the Buffalo Bills? Well, I think they beat the Colts, but I'll tell you, I kind of went back and forth on Colts and Saints here. I think that's right. another tough back-to-back. -to -back. Colts went 11-5 and last season. The Saints were a good team, but now they clearly don't have Drew Brees. Why do you see the Bills taking an L against the Colts in Week 11? Similar to why I thought the Buccaneers would take an L to them. Okay. Indy just plays a, a tough brand of football. Yeah. They're also very good at home, 6-2 and two last season. So I just think that getting on the road again, this is going to be uh, getting off the road, excuse me, I apologize, after two, two games against really easy teams. Obviously, you've got Jacksonville on the road. Then you've got the Jets on the road. Mm -hmm. I just think that this might be one of those games they're not going to be able to get up sure. for after two subpar terrible teams back-to-back. Um, -back, I don't think they're going to be able yeah. to get back up for a tough game. So I think that's where we're going to see the loss, um, for me at least. Yeah, this is sort of similar to seeing Chiefs-Titans back-to-back. I feel like Colts-Saints back-to-back is another tough road to hoe, especially when you're going down to New Orleans. I think they win against the Colts, even though you could talk me into Indy winning that game. The Colts are going to be better than people anticipate this season. Look, I, I don't like to lay money on Jameis Winston, and I don't know how that's going to shake out with Sean Payton and Taysom Hill and how they're going to work that offense. I right. think Jameis will be better because he's learned a little bit more and hopefully matured a little bit. And you sprinkle Taysom in there in the right spots. Sometimes I think he's overused, but you do that in the right places, you can generate a, a pretty significant offense. They have a great defense. But playing in the Superdome is really one of those very, very difficult places to play. So I think going down to New Orleans, coming off a game against the Colts is possibly a spot where Buffalo loses. Then I look at the schedule again, and we both have them losing in Week 16 in Foxborough. Yep. Why? I just think it's going to be tough to try and beat a New England team twice. That's exactly Within what I Within a three-week period of time. And they're going to be better. 
Right. And within a three-week period of time, if this, um, if these two games were earlier on in the season, I might have had them taking both of them, um, them being yeah. uh, the Bills taking both of them. But because it's later in the season, I think Bill Belichick's going to have these guys. The, the yeah. wheels are going to be oiled. They're going to know what they're doing. And we will know who the quarterback is Yes. for the foreseeable future of the season, whether it's a healthy Cam Newton still being able to get it done, whatever the new Cam yeah. Newton version looks like, or Mac Jones with a few games under his belt and getting the, the, the wheels of grease and feeling good about himself on the field. So I think because it's later in the season, mm -hmm. it's the second half of the season, twice in three in, in, in just as many weeks, it's going to be hard to beat a team twice, especially when you're on the road in Foxborough. Yeah, and the Patriots are going to be a different animal this year. They were struck with COVID last year, and they signed Hunter Henry and Trent Brown to sort of help Cam. And, I, and I'm with you. If Cam Newton's starting this game, I think the Patriots win. But if Cam doesn't get it done, maybe he's injured because he is injury-prone mm -hmm. and has been later on in his career, and it's Mac Jones, then all of a sudden I'm choosing the Bills. I don't think Mac Jones as as much potential as he may have and as much as he will certainly benefit from the tutelage of Bill Belichick, I don't think going up against the Bills team, even in Foxborough, is something he's, he'll be quite ready for at that point. But it will depend on who's the quarterback for sure. All right, here's our projections. Here's what we think. I have 13-4. and four, You have 12-5. and five, So we both think they're going to hit the over and. That, that pretty much is in line with a team that was very successful last year and went to the FC Championship game. 100%. Definitely think they're going to be able to get this done. Um, I think that they're going to be able to run away with this division and, and really just control it like they did last season and take the next step yeah. in the playoffs. And that doesn't necessarily mean getting to the Super Bowl. Right. It just might mean, you know, maybe you have a better performance than you did. Maybe right. you still lose, but you take the next steps forward because I think this is going to be a Bills team that has some success uh, in, in future years, and, and they're setting themselves up for that starting last season. The tough thing about the Bills is that if you're Buffalo, is that Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs organization has done a great job of building this team that, that looks built to win right. possible multiple championships. And so to have a team like that that is built to win with the best player on the planet, I think, in Patrick Mahomes, most people agree, if you're Buffalo, you're so close. Right. But it's really tough because the Chiefs aren't going away. So you know, th that could be a bugaboo for the Bills for the next two, three, four, five years where we're very good, we can compete, we just can't get past Kansas City. So that's something, it's going to be interesting to watch to see if Buffalo can find a way because if they're going to make it through, they're going to have to beat the Chiefs moving forward. Finally, David Tuckman came on to share his thoughts about the NHL playoffs so far. Let's bring in our good friend David Tuckman for BetRivers.com. Follow him on Twitter at TuckOnSports. Tuck, first of all, I want to look back at last night's game and start with the Lightning, which dominated the Panthers 6-2. to two. Things got really chippy in this with Nikita Kucherov getting taken out by the Panthers. And, and, you know, once Tampa was dominating this game, all of a sudden, you know, the Panthers weren't necessarily playing hockey so much as they were just trying to beat up Tampa Bay. Yeah, for sure. First of all, before we get there, where's my respect for my J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets? Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm glad that was a complete oversight on my part. <laughs> I'm, trying to, okay? I'm trying to figure out you're in I California, thought, but you're a Jets fan. Why would you do that to yourself? I, I know. I was listen. Listen. Uh, I, I have no choice. I was literally my. Uh, there is a picture of my mom at a Jet game with me in the womb. She's like six months pregnant with me. So it was born and bred into me. I can't do anything about it. Trust me. I am not a Jet fan by choice. Okay. But yes, that's when you am, really uh, don't have a choice. No, listen, Jet fans are like like golden retrievers, okay? You know we're as loyal as they come. We're not going anywhere. That's we right. haven't left yet. We're not no going now. I started to say, after all this time, if you're still with the Jets, you're with the Jets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Okay, so let's get to you know Tampa Bay and and the Florida Panthers. Florida's a, a good hockey team, but we saw last year in the playoffs they, they have a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. They're not a playoff team, and you know we saw it last year when the Islanders kind of took them out in the play-in round, and this year again, Tampa Bay is at a different level, and Florida is trying to figure out a way to slow this team down. Now, a couple of years ago when the Lightning were the best team in the league and they got swept by Columbus, the Lightning realized they needed to get a little tougher. Um, They they didn't want to lose the skill, and they didn't lose their skill, but they got a little tougher. You know, they brought in guys like Yanni Gord. They brought in uh, Blake Coleman. They brought in Patrick uh, Patrick Maroon. And those are the guys that kind of gave this team a little bit more toughness where they can beat you any way you want to play. You want to, you know, fly up and down the ice – and, and, you know, score 11 goals in the game, fine. They'll win 6-5. You want to try to out-physical them, they're going to be there, too. And Florida's a desperate team, you know, and uh, down 6-2. I, I think they, um, you know, they realize that the, at the end is nigh. And um, they're just trying to figure out, grasp at anything, try to figure out a way to beat this really, really talented Lightning team. So I have to ask, I'm the resident Canadian on the show, and I'm going to skip the other game and let Jenks ask about it because I want to ask about the Maple Leafs and the Canadians because it's the hockey royalty matchup in the first round of the playoffs. But the injury to Tavares, the series now tied 1-1 with the 5-1 win for Toronto last night. How does that injury, if it does, shift this series in favor or not in favor of the Canadians? You know, we talked about this yesterday for a moment. It does not shift the series in favor of the Canadians. I actually thought this was a really tough series to handicap, and it's become even more difficult with the Tavares injury. Um, the Montreal Canadiens brought back, they got uh, their best player, Brendan Gallagher, back from injury. Uh, they got their goalie, Carey Price, back too, which I didn't think was as big a deal, but still a little bit. Um, but Brendan Gallagher is a big deal. I just wasn't sure. I don't think anybody was sure what to expect. This guy hasn't played in a while. Uh, is he going to be effective in the playoffs? Can he jump back into it? So, because Montreal was terrible the last month of the season. So, without Gallagher, this might have gone four or five games. Well, now suddenly Montreal's got Gallagher, and Toronto lost their second-line center. And, you know, obviously the captain of their team and John Tavares. And the real question with the Leafs is just, you know, this is a team that has not shown to be mentally tough over the last two, three years. Can they bring it together? They, They did it last night. And uh, they were really impressive with the game they played last night. Austin Matthews obviously had a great game. This guy is, you know, top five player in the world. Um, But, you know, the question is, can they do it for the whole series? I think they can. They're still easily the class of the North. That Canadian division is not particularly strong. Um, So I I think the Leafs are still the team to beat in the North. But I'm not going to lie. It's a tough tough series to handicap. So yesterday you had your Isles sweater on. They tied this series with a 4-1 victory yesterday against the Pins. So should they stay with Sorokin and Nett? Because he, oh. has been, he has been very, very good when he's been in there, and he's the reason why they've gotten a couple of victories here. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, listen, Varlamov is he's, he's going to be top three in the Vezina voting this year. Vasilevsky will probably win. Varlamov had seven shutouts in, this, in the regular season. He has been lights out, and he was our one goalie, without a doubt. But Sorokin was kind of 1B, and I think – you know, uh, Barry Trotz and Mitch Korn, the goalies coach, and, you know, certainly the players are comfortable with either goalie. But what we've seen in this series is simple, and it's, you know, Sorokin is playing really well. Varlamov was coming back from an injury, and it looks like he's just not right. 
So I, I think you've got to write that. You've got to, uh, you know, you've got to play the hot goalie at this point. Yep. Um, I mean, when things change, you've got to adapt and adjust. They did that in Vegas as well. You know, Vegas, Robin Leonard was the presumed number one goalie. But Flurry is playing as well as anybody in the world right now. So you're, you're not going to, you don't change it if it's not broken, right? Right. So the Golden Knights in the Wild, the Wild had that, amazing first win and then Vegas kind of did what they needed to do and sent a message now with a 3-1 series lead and they're going back to Vegas Monday evening is this thing all but over yeah I can't see a veteran team like the Golden Knights it's, it's funny you think of you know the Golden Knights as an expansion team but they're a veteran team I mean this team is led by you know Mark Stone and, and Marcia so and, and Riley and Theo Fleury this is a veteran team that's been here before now and, you know, that first game was good, and the Minnesota Wild is a, is a cute story. They're a good team. You know, if you're a Wild fan, you've got a lot of reason to be, to be excited for the future. But, you know, Cam Talbot in goal just can't match Flurry, uh, despite that game one, you know, despite the game one heroics. That's not going to continue, and we saw that in the series. And, and frankly, the Vegas Knights have now scored the, not, the last nine goals in this series. Um, Minnesota took, up a, took a 2-0 lead in game four Knights won that game five two and then one last night four nothing so yeah this is uh I, I would be surprised if it went back to Minnesota listen it's hockey anything can happen but I would definitely be surprised if it went back he is David Tuckman our hockey expert baseball expert get a little bit of everything and Jets fan from from in the womb so <laughs> Tuck I'm, I'm sorry about that but good luck to your aisles during the playoffs and great to hear from you I love talking to David because he loves the NHL as much as I do. That's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, I'm Michael Jenkins. Thanks for listening.